Praise the Lord, church. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is just moving in this place this morning? Amen. Nothing brings me joy than just to see the Lord move. It's powerful in this place. Amen. Now, as I was praying before we get started, the Lord just put a message in my heart. And that message is for me. But the Lord said, it's for all of us. He said, I am all you need. As we were worshiping here, and the Spirit's just moving, and the Lord is saying, I am all you need. Let them know I am all they need. And that one simple phrase hits all of us so many different ways. There may be somebody sick to this morning. He is all you need. There may be somebody down this morning. He is all you need. There may be somebody going through the storm this morning. He is all you need. And there may be somebody on the mountaintop. And guess what? He is still all you need. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. He is worthy. I just want to thank God for this opportunity. It, it, it's an honor, it's an, and it's a privilege to bring forth the word. You know, it's something that I don't take lightly. It's something I've been taught as a kid never to take lightly. The word of God is so important in our lives, in our growth, in, 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 in everything that we do. And a lot of times, and many of you have heard me say, like, it's not about position. It's not about title. And I do believe that, you know. But this is a privilege and an honor, and I hold it very highly. And, and I thank God with all my heart for his word and being able to preach his word. You know, one thing that I always remember about pastor, one thing that he taught me, a simple thing that he taught me. He said, brother, never put your Bible on the floor and never put anything on top of your Bible except another Bible. <laughs> and we know pastor loves the word. So I'm privileged. I'm blessed. I thank Pastor for this opportunity, and I just pray that the Lord just speak to us this morning. Amen? Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to go to two verses today. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, and then we'll go to the book of John chapter 4, verse 35, and it reads as follows, Matthew 9, 37, 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Amen. John 4, 35. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Amen. So I want to spend the next few moments. I'm not a long preacher, not a winded preacher, but I want to spend the next few moments on the Lord of the harvest. Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Jesus. We acknowledge you here in this place this morning, God. Lord, I pray that you anoint my lips, that you speak through me, God, that I move out of the way so that your voice can be heard. 
Bless us. Let us hear from you this morning, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Again, I, I thank Pastor, and, and we need to pray for Pastor. You know, he's been out of town, came back from Africa, went to Puerto Rico. And I know now he, he's up north. And, but not just because he's traveling, but because God is using our pastor in a mighty way. Like never before. And yes, it's awesome that, that our pastor is the president of the whole assembly. And it's, it's, um, it's a blessing to our church. But I truly see why he was called to the presidency. Because this message, this vision of build the church has come at the right time. Amen. And so we have to pray for our pastor that God keep using him, giving him the wisdom, direction. Because this vision is for the assembly, right, to build the church. And, and he's not just out here visiting and, and so that people can meet the president. He's out preaching this vision everywhere he goes to build the church. But you know what's even more amazing about our pastor is that vision God gave him, it started right here for Hosanna. Right here for Hosanna. He's been saying, we are a cell group church. He has been preaching for years now to build the church. And we are all on board with that vision, amen? And I've been telling discipleship class like never before, this year is different. This year is not the same. We can, you can feel it that the whole church, Hosanna, is on board. We're in unison. We're in unity with the vision. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the harvest is coming. Can we give the Lord a hand praise for the harvest? Amen. The harvest is coming. That ought to get somebody excited this morning. As a matter of fact, the harvest is already here. We're seeing it. Two weeks ago, we had six baptisms here in the English service. Amen. And with the help of the Lord, we have more coming later this year. We have people that have already committed. We have another baptism in the Spanish, Sister Dina's daughter, amen. The harvest is here. And we understand that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of all creation, right? We know that. He spoke the universe into existence. He is the author of life. His word says, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, so in the context of the harvest, it means that Christ is the one that ultimately controls and oversees the process of planting, of growing, of harvesting. So what does that mean? We are a cell group church, amen? He must be the center. Discipleship class. We want to learn more. We want to get closer to the Lord. He must be the center. Our Sunday service here this morning... Christ must be the center. Sister Daisy, her welcome team out there in the front, Christ must be the center. Our ushers, our, our men's department, our women, Christ must be the center. Why? Because without Christ, there is no harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. Amen. And so as we read in Matthew 9, 37, 38, Jesus says, 
the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This passage emphasizes two critical points. First, it highlights the vastness of the harvest. God's desire is for all people to come to repentance and to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, that point hits home for me, and it hits hard, because if the harvest is so vast, so great, so big, and God's desire is for all to come to repentance, then there are some people that I know in my life right now that I should be making an effort to preach to. And so I think the point that the vastness of the harvest should strike a nerve in all of us. There is somebody right now that comes to your mind. Take a moment. Who the Lord is saying, they need me. The Lord is putting that person in your mind this morning and saying, build the church. For me, the Lord is just impressing on my heart, my biological father. And you see, I've been trying for years. I've been using that, that, that mindset of just chip away. But I have to be honest with you, there are times when I'm like, I do not think this is going to happen. And the Bible says in Acts that the promise is to all who are far off. As many as what? As the Lord our God will call. I'm here to tell you this morning, don't think that you're wasting your time trying to invite them. Don't think that they are too far away, too far off to come to the Lord. Don't think that it's all in vain. Let the vastness of the harvest motivate you this morning to reach out to that person. To go out of your way for the gospel. To say, you know what? This harvest is so vast, so big. I want my father here. I want my father part of this harvest. I want my sibling. I want my friend, my family, my coworker part of this, this harvest. The harvest is so vast, so big. I want them to be a part. There are countless souls in need of saving, amen? And it is our mission as followers of Christ, as laborers, to bring the gospel message to them. Secondly, the passage points out the scarcity of laborers. There are not enough workers in the field to bring in the harvest. The Lord asks us that we must pray for more workers to be raised up and sent out into the world to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. In today's world, the need for laborers in God's harvest field is just as great as it was in the time of Christ. The world is full of people who are lost, broken, searching for meaning. We see it all around us. We have these apartments here. We have communities around us. We have projects behind us. People that are broken, that are lost, that are hungry. 
And as a church, we have a responsibility to share the message of hope and salvation with them. Amen. We must understand it's not an option. It's not if you feel like you can. It's not if that, I'm not sure if that's my gift. I'm not sure if I was meant to do that. No, it is not an option. It is a commandment. Amen. Build the church. In John 4.35, Jesus says, do not say there are yet four months. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. This This verse reminds us that we cannot delay in our mission. The time is now to be active in the harvest fields. And with the understanding that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, And that there is a great need for laborers in the field. It presents our first point today in the sermon, which is the urgency of the harvest. Amen. There is an urgency, brethren. Jesus reminds us that the fields are white for harvest. Or in other words, ripe for harvest, for the picking. This this passage speaks to the urgency of the harvest, indicating, again, that the time to act is now. Why such an urgency? Because we see it. The world is increasingly secular and hostile to the gospel message. Even more today, it's more difficult to reach people with the truth of Jesus Christ. Nowadays, everyone has a truth. No one can be told anything. Or some people love to hear it all, and, and they take it from everywhere. What is, what is this? What is that? Oh, something new? Give it to me. And they love it. They take it all, and whatever makes you feel good, that must be truth. But we know that is false. That is a lie. There is only one truth, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so the urgency of the harvest is for laborers to preach truth. Amen? The urgency is for the laborers to preach truth. John 3.16, that is truth. To preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is truth. To preach repentance and baptism in his name, that is truth. To preach that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That is truth that we need to be preaching. Amen. And not just preaching, but preaching with urgency. There is an urgency because people are hurting and in need of hope now more than ever. All of us can be affected or we, we can point out somebody that we know or how we've been directly impacted by somebody who's committed suicide. Suicide now is at an all-time high. Recently, not too long ago in my daughter's school, we got, I got a note a notification on my phone from the principal that a senior in her high school committed suicide. And But it it, it listed his accomplishments in the school. He was part of this club. He was part of that. He was active here. He was active there. And yet he had no hope. A 16-year-old with no hope. And that's not the only case. We all know somebody. We might know somebody who has lost their lives, who have taken their own lives. 
There's so much of that. The enemy is a liar. He is taking, he is confusing our young people. There is no reason that somebody that young should have no hope. There is an urgency for laborers to preach hope in Jesus Christ. There is an urgency because the Bible tells us that we do not know the day or the hour when Jesus will return. Which means that we must always be ready to fulfill our mission as Christians and share the gospel with those around us. We don't know when that day is coming. That person that God put in your heart to evangelize, how much time do they have? My biological father, how much time does he have? The time is now, amen. The urgency must motivate us to reach out. We must understand the urgency because the harvest is temporal. Bible says in John 9, 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. We don't have all the time in the world. God is calling us to build the church with urgency. Amen. It says in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world and as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Then in 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Amen. In other words, be ready. Be ready. So as a church... We must recognize the urgency of the mission and respond with a sense of urgency when we evangelize, when we have evangelistic cycles, when we have Friends Day. Amen. There must be a sense of urgency in our cell groups, in your Bible studies at your house, in our conversations. There must always be a sense of urgency to labor in the harvest. In addition to recognizing the urgency of the harvest, we must also understand the role of the laborers in the field. Amen. To labor in the harvest of the Lord should be exciting to all of us. It should be an exciting thing to be able to know that you are able to labor in the harvest of the Lord. Above any title, above any position that I have, my greatest calling is to be a labor in the harvest of the Lord. That brings me joy. That brings me excite excitement. See, I'm, I'm not up here all the time. I don't preach behind the pulpit all the time. Does that mean that I don't preach? No. I can preach every single day to somebody out there in need. I can preach to my family members tomorrow. Right now, later this evening, I can preach to my coworkers tomorrow. I can preach to, my, to your classmates in school tomorrow. Amen. The greatest calling that should get us excited is to be laborers in the harvest of the Lord. If you feel stagnant in your walk with the Lord, begin to labor in the harvest. I've said this to discipleship class on Friday. Nothing sparks that fire of the Lord like winning somebody for the Lord. Like reaching out, like preaching the gospel, like seeing somebody receive him. 
See, I'm going to be a little transparent with you this morning. I feel that the Lord has put a calling in my life. And, but I also say to myself, you know what? The Lord never calls me to become a pastor. I'm good with that. If God calls you to a high position, praise God for that. But if God doesn't ever call you to a high title or a high position, guess what? You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Why? Because you're still a laborer in the harvest of the Lord. You are still working for the kingdom. You are still a vital part of the kingdom of God. Amen. But if you are not laboring in the harvest, something has to change today. In the book of Acts, the apostles were not concerned about titles or positions. They were grateful to labor in the Lord's harvest, no matter what price came with that. And that amazes me when I read those scriptures. It says in Acts 5, 40 and 42, and this just always, every time I read it, it just, it just blows my mind more and more. It says, and they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. They understood their role in the labor, in the harvest. They knew there was an urgency to preach Jesus. And to them, that was a high calling. To them, that was their number one priority. So much so that they rejoiced, the Bible says, to suffer for his name. The laborers have a vital responsibility to sow the seed of the gospel message and bring in the harvest. That is a great calling that we must all answer. Amen. This requires preparation and dedication. Amen. As laborers in the field, we must prepare ourselves for the task at hand by deepening our relationship with Jesus Christ. Through prayer, through Bible study, through fellowship with other believers. That is the key. The more you love Christ, the more you love you will have for the loss. And the more love you will have for laboring in the harvest. A strong relationship with Jesus Christ cannot help but strengthen every other relationship in your life. Including, watch this, complete strangers. It will strengthen your relationship with your wife, with your husband, with your children, with your co-workers, with the brothers here at church, and even complete strangers in the field. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is key as laborers in the harvest. Get closer to him. Strive to be closer to him. And see how he'll use you to reach others.
It is important to cultivate a heart of compassion and empathy towards those who are lost in the need of salvation so that we can effectively reach them. Amen. So the preparation comes, then the dedication. The role of the laborer requires dedication and commitment to the task at hand. We must be willing to persevere in the face of opposition. How many of you know you're going to receive opposition and resistance out in the field? Amen. But knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. It requires a willingness to sacrifice our time, resources, and comfort for the sake of the gospel message. There's a big responsibility. There's a big weight on the laborer. And that's why the Bible says the laborers are few. Amen. But we know that God is with us. We know that if God is the center, amen, of Hosanna, if God is the center of our evangelistic cycle, if God is the center of our cell groups, amen, we will have victory, amen. Amen. And as we recognize the urgency of the harvest and understanding our roles as laborers, we can take comfort in the promise of the harvest that is to come. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. That is a promise of God. But how many of you know that promises are sometimes not easy to wait on? Right? We can get impatient. We want things now. Or sometimes we might even give up. Amen? But this verse in Galatians gives us understanding of the promise of the harvest. To persevere. The verse encourages us to not grow weary in the labor. It acknowledges that doing good can be tiring and discouraging at times. But we are urged to keep going and not give up. Amen. The Bible says, in due season, we will reap. Your cell group may not be having the results that you want. I've been there. But do not grow weary in the labor for the harvest. Through perseverance, your cell group, your friend at school that you've been speaking to, your family that is lost, through the power of the gospel message, will go through a season of reaping. Again, I've been there. And sometimes you do get tired. Sometimes you do get a little discouraged. But the promise of the harvest is there. How many of you know that God never fails in his promises? God never fails. And maybe just when I was getting tired, maybe at the point of just becoming a little bit weary, my daughter gave her life to the Lord. And it reminded me of the vastness of the harvest. It reminded me of the promises of God. Do not, even though you get weary, do not give up. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand praise for his harvest? Keep laboring for the Lord. There is power in the gospel. Amen. The word says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes his timing is perfect amen 
The promise of the Lord comes in due season. And again, we may not see the results of our efforts immediately, but if we continue, cell group leaders, if we continue, brethren, in your Bible studies, if we continue, we will eventually reap the rewards. Amen? Trust in his timing. The promise of the harvest can serve as a motivator to keep doing, to keep going, to keep persevering, even when we don't see the results. And it reminds us that our efforts are not wasted. Amen. The Bible tells us that those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Amen. We can trust in God's faithfulness to bring about the harvest and to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6 through 9, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Amen. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Amen. The growth of the harvest comes from God. In the analogy of the harvest, the Apostle Paul emphasizes that God is the one who ultimately brings growth and fruitfulness to the efforts of those who work and build in his service. Amen. So going back to that person God put in your mind, don't be negative. Don't be fearful. Don't get discouraged. You labor and God will give the growth of the harvest. My father, I put, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue to plant. I'm going to continue to water because I know God will give the growth. Amen. You let God deal with that person's heart. That's his specialty. I don't change people's hearts. We don't change people's hearts. God is the one. And see, sometimes we make it complicated, and sometimes we can even get in the way. But God has promised the harvest, amen? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, amen? amen. Brother James planted, Brother Saul watered, but God gave the growth. Amen. Sister Valeria planted, Brother Rudy watered, but God gave the growth, amen? Amen. Brother Carlos planted, Brother Rudy watered, but God gave the growth. See, God is not saying grow my church. God is saying build my church. I need laborers to work. I need laborers to plant. I need laborers to water, to preach the gospel, to start a cell group, to build, and he will do the growing. He will give the growth. Amen. Stand with me today. What will be our response to the Lord's harvest? See, knowing that God gives the growth should build faith in us like never before. You could say, wait, all, all I have to do is plant the seed and God will give growth. All I have to do is, is water, and he'll give the growth. See, all he is asking us to do is be available. 
and he will give the growth. So what should our response be to the harvest? Availability. I am here, Lord. Use me. My cell group is available, God. Use it. My home is available, Lord. Use it. My family belongs to you, God. Use it. My children, God, belong to you. Use them. And when we respond to the call, he will give growth. And as a church, when we are all united in the vision, like Hosanna is united in the vision of build my church, God will give the growth. It says in Acts chapter 2, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And here's the key. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Trust in God. Trust in his timing. Trust in his promise. And just build. Just labor. Though it gets tough. Though it may seem like I'm giving all my time. Though it may seem like I'm not having the results that I feel like I should be having. Trust in the Lord. And build. And know that he will give the growth. And he will add to the church. The time for action is now. Amen. The phrase, there are still four months and then comes the harvest, implies a delay or procrastination. And I got to be honest, procrastinating is my worst enemy. But Jesus is urging us to recognize that the time for action is now, church. We should not wait for some future time when it might be more convenient or easier to share the gospel. The Bible says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. In other words, if we wait for perfect conditions before we act, we may never act at all. 